Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Today on the Zavecast, did you think I was going to be able to resist forever? Of course not. I've broken down and bought a new iPhone. Andy Poland joins me to talk NFC East pillow fight, who Maryland should hire as their next head coach, and if he thinks the current podcasting gold rush is another passing fad in media. All that, plus how can you charge savages with a crime when they live on an island with no laws? Your essential Sports Talk Day starter is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Here we go. Tuesday, November 27, 2018. Thank you for downloading. Did you know NBA ratings are down and down substantially on TNT? 26% down year to year after just a couple of weeks of the season, maybe a month or so. Why is it? Well, they're blaming LeBron. Yep, you can blame LeBron. It's not his fault he went to the Lakers, but it's deprived the eastern half of the country of some of the usual marquee matchups involving LeBron James and the Cavaliers. Interesting. Down 26%. TNT's numbers are at the lowest point in almost a decade. ESPN is down 6%. Now, that may come around, obviously, in time. Jimmy Butler's been hitting some game winners with the Sixers, so maybe they're the new TV draw. But for years, the NBA has been a – I mean, since David Stern took over, it's been a star-centered league. And while LeBron James is still a star, his team is not as good, the Lakers, as maybe some of us, like me, thought they would be just by adding him. And if you can't stay up to watch him, if you're in the West, you're not going to see him as much. Of course, you know, when Kobe was with the Lakers and Shaq, the NBA didn't have ratings problems then. But I'm not sure what the cable numbers were either. So keep an eye on it as the season goes on. Before we get to Andy Poland tonight, and he's going to give us an old school Andy tale of, of a time in which college all-star teams would play an NFL champion, believe it or not, in football. Real tackle in the summer before the preseason was over with. Insanity, but it happened all the way up until 1976, which is still forever ago, but it's in my lifetime, so I feel like it's sort of pseudo-relevant. Let's rat-a-tat-tat through uh, some Twitter things. Uh, This is a good stat. Graham Barfield uh, covers the NFL, says, Since Hugh Jackson was fired, Baker Mayfield's passer rating is 129.5. Only Drew Brees at 142.1 has been better in this span. Impressive. That's only a three-week run. (gasps) Excuse me, small sample size, but still not 
too shabby. Leonard Fournette's been suspended one game. Idiot. Kicked out of a game mid-game. He's hurt half the year. Now he's got a one-game suspension, and he's going to lose a chunk of money. And he may have put $7 million in remaining guarantees and potential jeopardy by missing a game. All because he he thinks he's some fake-ass tough guy. Very, very smart. Markel Fultz wants out of Philadelphia, so say reports. It's being called as a fresh start. He needs a fresh start somewhere else. Oh, my God. This guy is going to go down as one of the great busts of all time in NBA history. This guy might actually make Kwame Brown look like a guy who was reasonable as a guy to take a chance on. How and why Markel Fultz can't shoot anymore is one of the great mysteries of the world, not just the NBA. Uh, Maybe his shoulder's messed up, or maybe not. Maybe he needs another shooting coach, since his last shooting coach apparently doesn't even want to be associated with him. Maybe it's mental. It's all mental, Jerry. Either way, the Celtics absolutely robbed the Sixers blind. And when they made this trade to move up from number three to number one, and they gave up what would have been Jason Tatum, or what turned out to be Tatum, who has been a stud for the Celtics, and multiple number ones, and it's convoluted. I don't want to go through how the other number one picks shook out because they're lottery protected, and the Lakers pick would be one of those, and the Sacramento pick could be in there, and blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is the Celtics got the way better player. He had contributed immediately and continues to do so. Fultz has been a complete bust, and they got extra picks for it just for moving down two spots. Holy shit, what a disaster this was. And now Fultz wants out of Philadelphia for a quote-unquote fresh start. I'm sure the Sixers would love to move him for something, a bag of practice balls, or who knows what. Who would want him at this point, and for what price? And while you're at it, can I get an update on the how is finding... Carmelo Anthony, a landing spot going. Uh, how is uh, who was the other guy who was recently parked on the sidelines? As yeah, we're just we're gonna have to put him to the side because uh, we don't want to cut him, but uh, nobody's gonna take him in a trade. It's a bad situation in Philly, no question. Even though the Browns are showing some signs of life right now, there remember that famous jersey that hung in the store window that had the slapped on names of all the quarterbacks on the back of the Tim Couch number two jersey that had come through the Browns after Couch. I believe that store finally took that jersey down because they felt like it was just needlessly piling on the Browns' woes. But I saw a picture on social media of a fan who has made a custom Couch number two jersey that does have miniature nameplates of all the quarterbacks that did follow Tim Couch all the way to Baker Mayfield. And it's glorious. It's great. It, it It's like a normal jersey because the names are down the left of the number two on the back, underneath the two, and then again on the right. So it's not like it has to have a long tail of names that would make it sort of unwearable. This jersey is very wearable. Detmer, Wynn, Peterson, Holcomb, Garcia, McCown, Dilfer, Fry, Anderson, Dorsey, Quinn, uh, Brad, Ka- uh, Bradkowski. Oh, who was that Polish rifle? Delome, Wallace, Whedon, Hoyer, Manzel, Shaw, McCown, Davis. Uh, t- uh, two times Josh McCown, I believe. 
Although I'm looking at uh, the other L McCown, maybe it's the other McCown. Uh, Davis, Griffin III, Kessler, Kaiser, Hogan, Taylor, and finally Baker Mayfield. My goodness, the quarterbacking misery in Cleveland. So I got a new iPhone today. I know, I know, sucker. I don't know what it was that made me do this. Maybe Cyber Monday overwhelmed me and I said, I, I got to go get something. Of course, I didn't cyber it. I walked into a Verizon store and said, hello, I would like a new phone. I got the iPhone 10 Max and it's something all right. Kind of getting used to it. I think I'm going to like it. I know that I wish the phone or the camera specs were better on it than they are. I hear the, the camera is more robust than it's ever been on an iPhone. But I still doubt that it takes photos as good, especially in low light, and especially with a flash, as do most Android or Samsung phones. They seem to take the best photos indoors, which is where 90% of people take their phone pictures now. Oh, hey, we're having dinner. Let's get a photograph. <laughs> And I'm not against that. I mean, people like to take pictures. Uh, I believe that life is short. Take a lot of pictures, especially of your kids, because they'll grow up fast and be like, God, I thought I had some pictures when she was 15. I guess I stopped taking them after a while. Anyway, so it's interesting how much more streamlined the phone process is at a place like a Verizon store, because I went in girding my loins for previous experiences where I sit there and I watch the tech behind the counter punch a bunch of things into his computer and look at his phone, look at my phone, download this, download that, get a SIM card here, da 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 da, da. Explain to me why. Well, we're going to add another line, but don't worry, you're going to get a credit for that line, and then we're going to transfer this one over here, and then there'll just be a monthly increase. I mean, it was the most convoluted, complicated shell game flim-flammery where you walk out of there going, I think they just took me to the cleaners. Now, they still do get you in certain ways where they don't mention, oh, yeah, there's an upgrade fee. Uh, the first thing they say is, oh, you're eligible for an upgrade. Well, what, what does eligible for an upgrade mean these days? It means nothing, basically. It means you are eligible to pay full price for a handset. Nobody's discounting. Nobody is subsidizing handsets anymore, or at least doesn't seem that way in the cell phone game. And these things are expensive. That said, they are incredible devices. I'm still one that looks at these phones that we have with wonder and awe, thinking of all the things it can do and not taking any of it for granted. I, I'm still a tech geek at heart. So, yes, $1,200 for the new iPhone X Max or 10. I can't get over calling it the the 10, the iPhone X Max, X Max. Um, that's a hell of a lot of money, 1200 bucks. Holy shit. What a waste of money that was. Ooh, I did get $400 back for my iPhone 8 Max, which I think I bought for about $1,000 a year ago. But when they say you're eligible for an upgrade, I said, well, what does that mean? They go, oh, well, that just means that you can then buy the phone at full retail price and put it on an installment plan with your phone bill. So it'll be another 56 bucks a month or whatever the number is. Oh, thanks. 
You know, it's that sucking you in, like, oh, you're eligible. I'm eligible for an upgrade? And, you know, they she's looking, this gal was a very good saleswoman. She pushed, she pushed so hard for me to get this bundle of accessories, which included a wireless charging stand, an extra Mophie pack, battery pack, a case, and I think something else I forget. For like 140 bucks. Upsell, upsell, upsell. She wouldn't let it go. She's like, have you seen the wireless charging? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not really. I mean, I just plug it in. It's not a big deal. No, really, you should see it. It's really cool. I'm like, okay. I go over and I see it, and I'm like, yeah, but you see, I just bought a stand at on my nightstand where the phone iPhone plugs in to a little tiny penis sitting on the stand, and I have a little uh, arm that holds my Apple Watch that charges the watch. So if I get this, it sort of negates that, and I already paid for it. So we ended up not getting the bundle on that. But that said, they're getting better at it because I wanted to drop a couple of access. Like I had, like my iPads, I used to have them as Wi-Fi, or not, I used to have them as cell phone enabled. Because I always wanted to have an iPad with me wherever I was going to a remote or on a trip or whatever, and make sure that no matter what, I could get Wi-Fi signal on my iPads. So I was paying $20 a month for the access charge. Cha-ching, cha-ching. I got two iPads. I used to have more. Kids used to have them. They don't watch iPads. Kids are on their phones. They got time for no iPad. And so I was like, okay, I want to get rid of this, this, and this, including the $10 a month I'm paying to get cellular calls on my watch which I thought I might use, but I've realized, no, I don't use that. And I'm never going to use that. I'm always going to have my phone with me. And I said, can you take this off? And she said, no, here's the number to call. It's like, oh, I got to call. I'm like, you can't take this off my bill? She goes, no, they, they don't let us do that anymore. And I'm like, oh, okay. Why is that? She said, well, some of the, the reps were not doing it correctly, and it was causing more confusion and more headaches for Verizon itself. And I thought, I think that's probably a wise thing. They also let me take my old handset home while I restored my phone from my backup on iTunes. I don't use iCloud for a variety of reasons. And they said, don't worry, you know, you can bring your old handset home in case there's any problems, making sure you've got it all. Here's a nice printed sheet of instructions. Here's how to go ahead and wipe your phone clear it out, reset it for factory settings, and then here's a box with postage to send in your old phone for your rebate, which, by the way, we've already credited you with a rebate, so just make sure to send the phone in. I go, well, that makes sense as well, because, again, it used to be you sit there in the store. We're transferring everything over. It's taking a little longer than I expected. I remember sitting in a Verizon store once, waiting for almost an hour, and I'm like, dude, is it done? Is it done? Is it done? I don't know. It's just taking longer. Is it done? Is it done? I was like, fuck, dude. I got to go down my day. So they seemingly have come a ways, at least Verizon has, in figuring out how to do the old handset shuffle to get you upgrading. But it ain't cheaper, that's for sure. And they get you with these charges. Like at the end of the day, they're like, all right, well, the cost today is going to be... Uh, And I'm like, but wait, I thought this was going to all net out even and I was just going to see it on my bill and I'd walk out of here. She goes, well, no, you have to pay tax. 
on the phone right now, and the uh, the hit, you know, the the the, the case ripoff, thirty bucks, <laughs> and a huge profit margin on these cases. Although I do like the case I got because it's got a kickstand that pops out where you can set the phone up in multiple directions, which I think is crucial. Got to have that. And no, I don't like the pop handles, the circular things on the back. I want a clean back when it folds in there, just like that. Can you hear that right there? And um, and then there was oh, and then the thirty-five dollar upgrade fee. Of course, even though I was eligible for an upgrade, even though I had paid full price for my handset last year, which I had the pleasure of owning outright and watching depreciate by fifty percent or more. Just to buy a new handset, I had to pay a upgrade fee of $35. Could she have waived that if I had kicked and screamed? Eh, maybe, but I doubt it. But at the end of the day, I got a gleaming new iPhone X Max. And yes, I've set up facial recognition. And no, I don't feel good about it. I don't want to give the government, I don't want to give the Chinese my face. But now they got my face. And that's not good. Of course, you'll say, but the government already had your face anyway. They had your face on facial recognition cameras that were hidden in places in public places where you don't even know where they were, and they've already got a file on you, so just forget about it. Okay. Hell of a phone, though. Man, screen is beautiful. Camera's beautiful. I like the extra real estate. I'm getting used to the swiping up. I don't think I missed the button. It's nice. I'm happy. It's a miracle device we have in our pockets, and I never take it for granted. All right, let's call our buddy Andy and see what he's doing tonight. Well, I got a new phone. How about them apples, huh? Yeah. <laughs> what what iPhone are you rocking right now? Six. Okay, and it's good enough for you? Yeah, it gets, uh, it gets ways, which is crucial to my life now, and uh, I can text, and I can get photos, and serves me uh, with whatever I need to do. And of course, you have downloaded the 100% free ZabeCast app, which allows you to listen to your own appearances right here on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I have to ask my daughter how to do that, but it will be done. <laughs> all right, in all seriousness, does Andy Poland listen to other podcasts? Yeah, I do. I listen to Tony sometimes, and I listen to Kevin Sheehan, and I listen to yours. Well, very good. I appreciate that. Yeah. Are you blown away at how everyone has a podcast now? Um, To some degree. Uh, I did one myself. I hope to revive it again one day, but it's it's tough to make a living doing it. <laughs> There are some who are, but it's, uh, you know, I guess, was it 1% or, or so make money? They're not, they're tough to do. Yeah, I don't know what the, the numbers are on it. I just wonder, okay, so there's been this big gold rush of sorts, prospectors mm-hmm. out here in the digital foothills of the West to pan for gold in podcast land. Eventually, a lot of guys are going to hang up their pans and go home, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I think, though... Uh, whether or not it's going to change the way we listen to radio, I, I, I kind of doubt that because 
I want to know stuff that's happening live, and I want to know if something breaks that I'm not going to miss it. And I know I can get it on my phone, but when I'm driving along, you know, if if something's happening, I like to hear it break live, you know? How do you feel about listening to callers during a football season on a local sports show? As a listener, not as a host, as a listener. Um, I realize they're a a part of what we do, and – they're they're good seasoning, as I would say, but they're not the beat. And I think I think you know with podcasts becoming more and more prevalent, there's going to be less and less of them, right? I mean, you you can take calls. I think Kevin's tried it a few times, but the reality is you got to have live radio to take calls. Well, and 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 that's the thing. I think that certain callers in certain cities, I think for sports radio, tend mm-hmm. to have better callers. Than other cities. Because if you let one idiot on the air who drags down the show with a bad call or one that makes no sense, you lose listeners. It's like playing a bad record. Yeah, I think that's true. And I also think that in New York, it's not just the passion, but the accent adds something to it. You know, we just don't in this city get the kind of calls that they do in New York, and there's just a New Yorky way of right. complaining that's different than here. So right. I think you know. But I'll tell you this: when we started the fan, uh, the original owners, Jeff Smolian, who would later own the Seattle Mariners uh, and was a candidate to uh, buy the Nationals here, he um, he did not like callers. He said, you know, do whatever else you can. I realize, you know, you're on the air for hours and hours. Right. You got to do some of them, but that's what he liked the least. Now that's sort of become the lifeblood of, of some stations. I think WIP was built a lot on the backs of callers, yeah. but by, you know, by and large, I, I think that I'm much more interested in hearing the opinions of the hosts. Over, over time, I begin to hear the same things over and over with Redskin fans, no matter what the season, no matter what yep. the record, no matter who's the coach, it goes along the lines of, we got to run the ball more, or our yeah. defense is garbage, or we got to get a new coach. And the yeah. beat goes on. There are a certain set of tools that every sports radio caller has that they go to. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't in- interesting and unique angles taken by some fans who have really thought things through, but for the most part, it's the same old song and dance. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's funny, We uh, Tom Libero and I filled in for Chad Dukes, and we had Les Carpenter on for the Washington Post, and he had covered the Redskins up until 2010, that did some other things, worked for some other places, Yahoo, I believe, and then he came back to the Post this past August, so he was gone for eight years. Yeah. And I said, had anything changed in those eight years? He said, no, not really, meaning that the storylines of the last you know 20 years for the Redskins have always been pretty much the same instability uh you know bad drafts bad free agent signings nothing ever really changes by the way you and i were going head to head today we were we were knocking heads today on dc radio did you feel the the heat and the intensity of the battle we had for listeners today no but i I saw a couple of twitter (laughs) posts people who were loyal to both of us didn't know what to do so i was kind of Heartwarmed by that. <laughs> oh, oh, really? There's some people on Twitter like, "Oh my God, Andy's over on on JFK and Zabe's on T. Yeah, what do I do? What do I do?" You, know, you get two buttons, you know, punch yeah. one, punch the other. Get bored, go to the other one. <laughs> All right. So, who do you like in the pillow fight to nine and seven, known as the NFC East? 
boy, I mean, I, I think Philadelphia, you'd, you'd have to like them, but their secondary is such a mess. Um, the Cowboys, I guess, get the upper hand because uh, they've beaten Philadelphia. I mean, that's the only way I can look at it. But, I mean, it's it's there for the Redskins. You know, Jacksonville is a train wreck. Now, I'm watching Tennessee up on Houston right now. They have to play them. But if they split with Philadelphia and they beat Jacksonville, they've only got to win one more along the way, right? Yeah, well, it all depends. Like, it could actually be an eight-win division where the winner of the division is an eight-and-eight team with tie breaks. It could also be a nine-and-seven division in which another nine-and-seven team is a wild card, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the wild cards. Uh, I I took the schedules today. Seattle is a team that's coming right now, and Seattle's schedule is cake the rest of the way. They got four, four or five, five at, home. at home. Yeah, yeah, right. So they're you got to like them. Carolina has to play New Orleans twice, and the Redskins have beaten them. Oof. So it's a wild card situation. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Um, and then Minnesota with the win last night. They're looking very good right now, but they have to play at New England this week. So who knows? And the uh, Cowboys have the Saints. That's like an automatic loss. And the Eagles have be. the Rams, and that is like right. an automatic loss. Right, right. So that helps the but Redskins. You know I, I still kind of like our chances, but what do I know? Yeah, well, I, it, I think it rides a lot on Colt McCoy, and I don't think Colt McCoy can stay healthy for five games. Do you? No, I don't think he can stay healthy. I don't think he looks like a starting quarterback when you expose him for multiple games at a time. I heard you right. tweaking your buddy Tommy Lavero, who has been the number one Colt dolt in this town yeah. for years uh-huh. now. And 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 I heard Tommy say, I know, he was bad. He was bad. Yeah. yeah. But he still likes yeah. him though. He still likes well, him. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a very likable fellow, but likable fellows, you know, look, uh isn't Aaron Rodgers kind of a prick, right? Total prick, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, and doesn't give know. interviews, right? I bet right. I bet so, Colt McCoy sat down with Lovey for a long interview once, and that was all it took. No, no, you, you don't know the story of that. No. Where he was smitten by Colt. No, I was actually at this game. Uh, they played Tennessee. This was his first extended playing time. He came in uh, in relief been, that game. Right, RG three was hurt. And Kirk was terrible in the first half through a really bad interception. So Gruden benched him at halftime. He started Colt. And Colt gave this, like, doughy-eyed news conference afterwards. Like, I didn't really know whether I was going to get another chance in this league. And, and Lavero just sopped it all up, you know, like, like a napkin. It's, and, isn't, uh, it weird, isn't it weird that Lovey, who can be so cynical and so yeah. hard-edged, can also have a soft spot for certain guys? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, and then he met him, and then it was all over. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 forget it. <laughs> Handsome, blue-eyed, square-jawed, yeah. yes, sir, no, sir. What a guy, huh? He sounds like the kid who played the quarterback in Friday Night Lights. You know, nice, nice fella. But, yeah. eh, you know, not really. Your thoughts on the Thanksgiving game? By the way, where did you watch it? Oh, I had a great Thanksgiving. I watched it at Home Alone. It was great. Um, <laughs> home Alone with McCall yeah. with Macaulay Andy. <laughs> yeah, well, why alone? Uh, where Where was Arlene? Where was the family well, gathering? 
as, as we talked about on the air when, when I actually did it, uh, my mother-in-law used to have this 25-inch television, which was not sufficient for Thanksgiving viewing. So I bought her a big screen TV one year. Define big screen. It, well, 40 inches. Okay, but, you know, bigger but, than 25 you know, and a flat yeah. and a flat panel, so it was high-def enabled, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, and so... Uh, that that gave me the right to watch the game uh, while everybody else was eating at the table, and they would bring me food, or I'd get my food, and and I was left alone. Well, her mother's 88, and she's now retired from preparing Thanksgiving dinner, and it moved to her brother-in-law's house or her brother's house, and uh, I just was uncomfortable with the uncertainty of you know how things were going to be laid out, whether people were going to be talking too loud while the game was on. So I said, "You guys go." have a good time and I'm going to stay here and watch the game because I did have to do a show the next morning and talk about it. So I stayed home and watched on 65 inches of high def. It was great. Good for you. What did you eat? Uh, there was some stuff in the house and leftover something or other. And, uh, and then the next day they brought me home leftovers. So, so I ate what was, yeah. so you had no Turkey or no traditional Thanksgiving stuff on Thanksgiving itself. And you were alone right. in your house. Right, I had the traditional leftovers the next day, as I would have anyway. And so, if you could rank, if you could rank your happiness in that very moment on a scale of one to ten, where would it rank? Well, given that the Redskins played like crap, and I am still a Redskins fan, well, I would probably put it around seven. <laughs> but but before they lost, it was a yeah. ten, wasn't it? Oh, you were as happy as a pig in shit. You didn't care. You Absolutely. weren't getting turkey and gravy. You're going to get that tomorrow. You, it was quiet. You could watch yeah. the game, and it was in high definition. Yeah. Look, it's not like you can't find turkey the rest of the year. You can go to a restaurant and order turkey if you uh, want to. Actually, you can't, which is something I brought up last week. I said turkey is overrated. Otherwise, they would serve it at steakhouses. Like, no, you really you can't can... order turkey. Where can you order turkey at a restaurant? Silver Diner. Okay. Well, uh, what, like well, turkey with gravy? Yeah, the whole deal. You can, oh, you can okay. do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, one place at least, I guess, you get a little turkey and gravy. Well, there's also a, a place, uh, the sandwich place, where they give you the whole deal. They give you the turkey, the stuffing, the cranberry sauce, all in a sandwich. You can have that, too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Have you heard the name Flacco with the Redskins brought up yet? I, I saw that, and I think I saw your tweet, and I agree 100% that this is just another Band-Aid. It's another discarded guy some team didn't want that they are going to prop up and say, oh, this could be our franchise guy for three or four years. The, I, did, this, I didn't see that. I don't the think concept, that's happen. The concept was with Lamar Jackson taking off more on him in a second in Baltimore, Flacco would be expendable next year. The Ravens would let him go. Or is right. his contract coming to an end? I'm going to look that one up right now. Either way, the thought was he'd be a one-year bridge guy for us until we saw whether or not Alex was truly going to recover it fully. Yeah, I said, he, I said that is the worst idea ever. I mean, seriously, a patch right, and, on top of a patch, and, and you wouldn't get him for like a million dollars. You'd still have to pay you know, oh. eight to ten million dollars to get him. Do you know what Josh McCown is getting in New York with the Jets? What one year, ten million dollars. Right. Josh McCown, one year, $10 million. Jay Cutler, when he came out of retirement and put his pants on from his tiki hut in Bora Bora, got $10 million with Miami. It's absurd 
the money they pay guys that they know if we have to play this guy, season's over. Right, right. Why? So, so you're going to be paying Alex Smith $20 million not to play and another $10 million to a guy who was discarded by a team. Yeah. Did that you sense. did you see uh, did you see Jay Glazer's report that the injury could be more serious and may take upwards of ten months to recover oh, from? I would I would think so. I mean, it, I, I was surprised when they said six months. I mean, six months. Look, Chris Thompson suffered a broken leg last year, and it was fairly early in the season against uh, New Orleans. He he didn't participate in a lot of the training camp stuff. Sure, and he's younger. Sure. So uh, I, I, it certainly wasn't as serious as the, as the broken leg Alex Smith. Now, Alex Smith may never play again. I mean, you have to face that reality. Yeah, Theismann never played again, but there is no. mitigating circumstances to that, right? He was a year or two older. He's 36, I think, at the time. Well, I think, I think the big thing that he said was uh, they didn't have the technology where they put the rod in the leg, so his leg healed a little bit shorter, and uh, he just you know couldn't get the the, uh, the balance, I guess, Jesus. to throw a pass after that. <laughs> and he also but, had an insurance policy, if I understand correctly. Yeah, I, I've heard some of that. The, the other thing was that he had, uh, as I recall, there, there was no salary cap, so the Redskins were able to sign him to a contract for the purpose of cutting him which is what they did. But it was like a million and a half. I mean, the dollars were different then. So that they did that as kind of a going-away present for him. Really? They just gave him, like, a, hey, here's a million and a half, thanks a lot for everything? Yeah, here, here's a contract. Uh, sign this, and we'll give you a physical. You can't pass the physical, so we're going to have to cut you. And wow. here, goodbye. Yeah. Back to uh, Lamar Jackson. Do you see the second coming of RG3 up there in Baltimore? Who's a consistent running quarterback in the league right now? I mean, there are quarterbacks who can run. Right. But Nobody. Nobody. Mariota? Maybe. A little bit, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, uh, so what do you think of that phenomenon? Because he, he has shown an ability to run a passing offense and to make throws. But right. no one's going to confuse him for Drew Brees just yet. Right. How do you and think you, how do you think the Lamar Jackson thing's going to go in the end in Baltimore? Well, I think I think it depends on whether he's willing to develop as a passer. Now, it's interesting that he's got RG3 there. RG3 if he has in fact learned something, will say to him, "Hey, you know when they try and teach you to do this stuff, you might want to spend some time <laughs> learning it instead of <laughs> you think the- you think Robert will have a the self awareness to realize how he fucked up in Washington and b the maturity to gently lead Lamar Jackson down the path of righteousness? Good luck on that. Okay, then let's try it this way. If you're a teammate of Lamar Jackson, do you walk up to him and say, "You might want to Google RG three <laughs> yeah, just right. to find out." You think RG3 is going to say, look, whatever you do, don't marry your high school sweetheart or your college sweetheart and have a kid when you're still feeling like you want to shop around a bit and then you fall in love with an Estonian sprinter. Because I did that. It was kind of expensive. Yeah, and also don't consult your career with your dad who has a military background, not an NFL background. Oh, God. Before we get to old school Andy this week, did you see where Mac Brown is going back? To North Carolina. Yeah, and, and here's what uh, Tom and I talked a little bit about today. 
you wouldn't bring him back as a coach, even though they're roughly the same age. I think Ralph Friedgen may be a year or two older than Mac Brown. But I would bring Ralph back to help resurrect the football program. At Maryland. And yeah, yeah, because, because Kevin Anderson was the guy that ran him off. And uh, Kevin Anderson is no longer there. And they've got a big mess to clean up. So he can be their Mr. Wolf and say, okay, this well, is a disaster. Let me help you. Two things. One, why not give it to Matt Canada? I thought he did a great job this year in a tough spot. And it seems like the guys really like him. Yeah, but uh, Tom Libero said you, you got to fumigate the place. Oh, really? You got to kick every kick him out. And, and I tend to agree. Also, there was a Baltimore Sun story. I don't know whether you saw this where uh, Durkin was apparently involved in the game planning with the team, uh, with Canada, knowing about that. And uh, that, okay. that wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. Well, I'm not sure Fridge would take the job. I think Fridge yeah. has deep-seated animus with the university yeah. about how he got did. No? True. Yeah. And, and, and might be it might be Wallace Lowe. Wallace Lowe is supposedly going to retire. So if he has assurance that Lowe's going to retire, Anderson's already out. Maybe for the right kind of deal, he comes back in. I don't know. Okay, they, they've got to do something. It's it's a disaster. But back to Mac Brown at North Carolina. So he Mac Brown was pushed out of Texas five right. years ago under the premise of he's too old. He's like a CEO. He doesn't know what's going on. The game is. For much younger guys these days, now five years later after sitting in the ESPN green room and on the on the set, he's now rehabilitatable as a Division One coach? Yeah, it, it could be that it's it's a booster thing. I mean, they're, they're, the, the only – well, it's, it's different because it was the pros, but Bill Walsh coached at Stanford after all those years with the 49ers, and he didn't match the success he had even his first time around at Stanford, but it's, it's kind of a feel-good kind of thing. I think that's what they were looking for. How about Les Miles at Kansas? I mean, Les Miles yeah, won a national well, championship. If, if, if he builds a football program there where, where <laughs> people don't just fail, they fail spectacularly. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they should build a statue for him. Is, is Rigo going to get behind the Les Miles experience there at Kansas, his alma mater? If there's cash, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Andy, old Rigo has his price forever then. I, I see him on, uh, on on Larry Michael's show with that little stocking cap that he wears on his head. I guess he's just come in from chopping down trees. Yeah, to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, it's to part of his stories. look, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, That's old fine. school Andy for the week. You sent me a text that was confusing. It said, but with Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills being 28-point favorites over Alabama, yeah. I want to tell the story of the time that some college team played a pro team. First of all, okay. who, says, who says the Bills are minus 28 against Alabama? You didn't see that? Vegas put out a line. It was a hypothetical line. If Vegas. Alabama... Could, yeah, you be more specific th- could you be more specific than Vegas? It was one of the books. I can't remember which one it was, but you can Google it up. They said that if they were to play, that the Bills, who at the time, I think they've won once or twice since then, would be 28-point favorites over Alabama. Okay, so they put out a line you will never be able to bet on because the game will never happen. That's the dumbest thing ever. But okay, do you think minus 28 is a fair line if that game were to actually take place? 
fact, I, I would bet Buffalo and give the points. Oh, because I'd hammer it yeah. to the moon and back. Yeah, because Alabama has some pros. Buffalo has all pros. <laughs> right. All of them pros. Buffalo has so. 53 pros. Alabama has 12 pros. And a bunch yeah, of really exactly. good college players. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, so that, that said, premise, as an entree to old school Andy, what was your story? Okay, this happened in 1963. Now, I've, I think we've talked about this in the past, that they used to have the college all-stars play the defending NFL or Super Bowl champion uh, for a charity game before, like it was even before the first preseason game. Yeah, before training so, camp, if I recall. It was in the well, middle of summer. What, Training camps, this is one of the reasons they did away with it. Training camps were actually open, oh. and they were long then. I mean, training camps would start in those days at the beginning of July, and you wouldn't play your first game till like, the middle of September. So it was ridiculous how well, long it was. training camps started in July, and there were yep. six, six preseason games. Yep. Right. Holy if you played shit. the Hall of Fame game, it was seven. And the season was only 14 games. So you'd play seven <laughs> Seven preseason games. Yeah, you know who and, you know who would have never made it in that league. Steve Spurrier, who hated preseason. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so this goes at Soldier Field. It was the 30th annual game. They they were and they drew 65,000 people for it. It was it was a big time deal. And the college all stars in those days were coached by Otto Graham, who was the coach at the Coast Guard Academy. I don't know. He took this on as like an extra gig. And they would assemble a, a, a team of players who had been, in some cases, All-Americans, uh, Heisman Trophy winners, and they would take on the defending champions. And most of the time, the defending champions would crush them, and it, as, as they should. I mean, it was a real team of pros against a bunch of college All-Stars. Right. So uh, Graham has the choice of two quarterbacks, Ron Vanderkillen, who had led Wisconsin to a Rose Bowl and lost in that game, but throw for 400 yards against USC. And the other quarterback was Terry Baker, who had won the Heisman Trophy at Oregon. So when it came time to pick a quarterback, Otto Graham couldn't decide. So he said, we're going to flip a coin. And he had Terry Baker make the call. And Baker called heads. It came up tails. Vander Killen starts the game. Now, these are the Packers, the legendary Packers. And they had Bart Starr, and they had Jim Taylor. And these guys played the whole game. Bart Starr through for 141 yards through 32 passes in this game, okay? And incredibly, the All-Stars won the game 20-17. to 17. Big wow. play with Vander Killen throwing a 73-yard touchdown pass to Pat Richter. Now, Lombardi hated to lose to anybody. To lose to a bunch of college kids made him insane. <laughs> they would go that season... <laughs> Now, now this was the season that Paul Horning, who was one of their stars in those days, was suspended because he had bet on his team to win. Sure. Pete Rosell caught him. <laughs> and he said, Roselle called him and said, have you been betting on your team? He said, yes, I did. And it was very successful. We always covered the number. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he suspended him for the year. Uh, the Packers lost to the Bears twice that season. The Bears went on to win the championship. The next year, the Cleveland Browns won the title, but the Packers won from 1966 to 68. They won three straight championships, including the first two Super Bowls. And in playing the college All-Stars over those three years, they outscored them 99-17. to 17. 
and players on that Packer team never Lombardi never let them forget that they had lost to the college all-stars that one time. Yeah. That's the last time that's the last time the college all-stars won. The game was discontinued after 1976. Wasn't there a really highly touted college kid who broke his leg in that game prior There were a couple couple of injuries I remember. I remember there was a Merlin Olsen had a brother who was really good. He hurt his knee in that game. Pat McAfee, I remember, uh, has suffered a broken ankle or something like that. The punter, yeah, Pat it was, McAfee? It, it, well, it was, it was McAfee. I don't know if it was Pat McAfee. Okay. Was, Another know, McAfee, but, but, okay. But the point is, yeah, they, they couldn't risk having these guys injured, and more importantly, you couldn't have them away from training camp for two weeks preparing for some stupid exhibition game. Yeah, the game came to an end, according to ProFootballTalk.com, in 1976 when a horrific yep. thunderstorm broke out in the third quarter, the video of which, they say, has to be seen to be believed. Not only was <laughs> it like something out of a disaster movie, but when the college coach, Eric Parsegan, called timeout to get his players organized in the monsoon, the fans then stormed the field. The game was called off because of lightning and because of fans on the field. The Steelers led 24 nothing, and that was the last we had ever seen of that game that ended in 1976. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it was it was necessarily the monsoon, but that was that was a good ending for it anyway. It was it was coming to an end for a variety of reasons. Yeah, 24 nothing. Uh, a monsoon, thunder and lightning, and fans storming the field for no good reason. Real quick, did you watch any of Tiger versus Phil the match? You know what? I was sitting with my phone. And I see Darren Ravel is saying that Bleacher Report Live is offering it free. Right. So <laughs> you went there. I, I went there for like three minutes, and that was it. And now, apparently, it was a, a streaming disaster. They had a refund. Yeah. Uh, just about everybody who bought it, right? Including those of us who didn't stream it. We bought it from our cable or satellite providers. They figured out we're going to get sued, so we might as well just give the refund and eat it. Wow. Pretty, pretty what embarrassing. Kind of that all they had, they had one thing to do: figure out how to stream something and collect money on the internet in 2018. A pretty routine yeah. thing, and they fucked it up. Well, from what you saw, would you? If it was you no, know, it was would terrible. You do it again? No, it, it was, was terrible. Yeah. They they didn't talk any trash. That was completely overhyped. Tiger would just b- clammed up and went into Tiger mode. Phil was a complete dork, huffing and puffing his way up even the slightest of inclines. And I believe they had a purse split agreement because Phil gave Tiger a six-footer that would have won the match if he had missed it to say, oh, let's play another hole. I think they had like a 60-40, 70-30 winner-loser split. This $9 million winner-take-all, that was bullshit. But yeah. so it goes. They tried. Yeah. They tried, and uh, we'll see what happens, if anything, next year. Andy, always good to talk to you. Uh, it was great doing battle with you radio-wise today. You were on the faster horse, the better signal, so it's not fair, but uh, until we meet again on the radio battlefield, we'll just keep it here on the Zabecast. All right? Well, you know, I mean, look, the, the it's not like television where they rate you by the 15-minute segment, and uh, plus I think the ratings are full of crap anyway, but, yeah, it was fun. All right, buddy. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. See you later. All right, Dave. Let's end on this today. Remember the story, and I'm not sure I did it here on the Zabecast, but I mentioned it on my show in D.C. The story about the American by the name of John Allen Chow, who 
was a missionary who decided he had to reach the isolated natives on the North Sentinel Island off the coast of Thailand, as Alan from The Hangover would say. The problem is the isolated tribesmen of the North Sentinel Island, otherwise known as though the, the natives of the Andaman tribe, they are heavily protected by the government, I think, of Thailand. The government, let's see, government, government, Thailand, uh, Indian capital. Uh, I, I should say the uh, India controls the island. And they don't really want to be reached by anybody. And so when this would-be missionary decided he was going to bribe some fishermen to get him close enough to the island so he could then take a canoe full of supplies and row ashore and say, hello, I'm here to convert you to Christianity. He was met with a flurry of arrows and died a horrible and swift death. Now they're trying to recover his body and, get this, they're considering what kind of crimes they can actually charge somebody with, if at all. Police believe, and this is Indian police, believe that Chow, a self-styled adventurer from Washington State, was killed nine days ago on the forested island about two-thirds the size of Manhattan on the Bay of Bengal. His death at the hands of one of the world's most mysterious communities has thrown up two new questions. Can Chow's remains be recovered? Uh, No. And can anyone be prosecuted for killing him? Where's that trial going to take place? I guess in India. Good luck getting, hey, who shot the arrow that killed this guy? Go ahead. Uh, we'll wait till somebody raises their hand. Otherwise, we're taking all you people in. Good luck on that. Dependra Pathak, who left his post overseeing traffic policing in the Indian capital of Delhi five months ago, to become the Director General of Law Enforcement in the Andamans, said it's certainly one of the most unique cases in my career. It's not a case. This idiot got what he deserved for violating the laws of India, which is to leave these people alone. And he bought it in terms of arrows. There's photos I've seen of the tribesmen with these long bows and running around like you would expect, natives cut off from the rest of the world. And they're point like they said that you know they they've flown over the island a few times in helicopters, but they haven't been able to get too close because the natives have shot arrows at the helicopters. And something tells me they're pretty fucking good with those arrows. I bet they are like Ramsey Bolton in Game of Thrones. Good with that bow and arrow. Nerd. So they're wondering, can they get him off the island? The body, that is. Can they recover it somehow? Apparently, two two, uh, fishermen ran aground on the island in 2006, and they were killed in no time flat. Their bodies were buried on the beach, and then several days later, their bodies were dug out of the sand and put up on poles that faced out to the ocean. As if to say, here, Do we need to make it any more clear? Leave us the fuck alone. Chow himself wrote in his journal, which I guess they got somehow. Maybe he was able to post this online. He wrote that he wanted to, quote, declare Jesus to the Sentinelese 
and that he had knowingly violated the will of the tribe. And this retrieval of the body will again violate the will of the people. Actually, that's not what Chow wrote. Uh, Chow did write he wanted to declare Jesus. Um, But a researcher with the Anthropological Survey of India said that to uh, go there and retrieve the body will again violate the will of the people. In other words, leave it the fuck there. Seriously. Seven people, including five fishermen, have been arrested for helping Chow get close enough to the island, which Chow had labeled Satan's last stronghold in his diary. According to journal entries, he managed to set foot on the shore one day, but was chased back onto the boat by the Sentinelese. He wrote that night, I don't want to die. Would it be wiser to leave and let someone else continue? No. I don't think so. I could still make it back to the U.S. somehow, as if it almost seems like certain death to stay here. Uh, Yeah, it would be wiser to leave and let somebody else continue. You idiot. The next afternoon, he kayaked back to the island. Two fishermen then quickly, two fishermen offshore saw the Sentinelese dragging his body and burying it the next morning. Damn. Leave them alone. When you see the map of where this island is, holy shit, it is in the middle of the ocean. And yeah, leave them alone. All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you for listening. Download, subscribe. Get the ZabeCast app. It's free. It's delicious. Fits right on your phone. Subscribe to the Football Five Ways Friday podcast, premium edition. Drops on Fridays. Remember, podcasts are the future, no matter Andy Poland's dim view of them. Email me with topics and suggestions at zabeatyahoo.com. Now, go take your Joe Tessator detox pills to recover from Monday Night Football, and we will see you next time. For the ones standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Moms, at Vanguard, you're more than just a parent. You're the heart of the family. You're the first responder to any need. You can be the hero and the villain, sometimes on the same day. Because you know that in the end, your legacy is the values you instill in them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation. Distributor.